wait, what, when, how? Mr. Idol D, flip the track right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this first day of August, a hot one here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My guest this evening has a life story which blends two of my favorite things, music and Italian food. So her and her husband have come to the Valley from the East Coast with the intentions of combining both passions into a retail storefront. And uh, frankly, that sounds pretty good to me. So at this time, I'd like to introduce my guest and welcome Jennifer Hoppy to the show. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm good, Otto. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks so much for having me. And I see that uh, you brought somebody along with you, your husband, this evening. Yes, I did. I brought my husband, Matteo Cataldo. Matteo, how are you doing? Very good, Dohado. How are you? I'm very good. It's good to have you. Thank you. And it's really fun to talk to somebody from Italy again. It's been a long time. I'll start (laughs) to get my accent back a little bit. (laughs) So listen, uh, don't go anywhere, Matteo, because I want to talk to you about this restaurant in a little bit. But first, I want to talk to Jennifer a little bit about her music background. So you, I mentioned that you guys came from the East Coast. So yes. Jennifer, where, where did you come from? Um, I'm originally from Massapequa Park, uh, Long Island, in New York. Massapequa Park? Massapequa Park, yep. That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with where Massapequa Park is, although it, it's fun to say. Yes, it's, um, it's on the south shore, um, kind of right in the middle of uh, Long Island. Okay. And so... Um, when, when, did you have come from a large family, small family? No, very small, actually. It was just my sister and I and my parents, and then I have one aunt and okay. one uncle. Very tiny, no cousins. So any other music in the family? Yeah. Um, my mom sang mm-hmm. in pretty much every choir and group um, on Long Island. My dad, <laughs> <laughs> my dad played guitar, and my aunt is a church musician. Okay. So you, were, you knew you were going to Yeah, I was music. surrounded by music my whole life. It's like a family rule. Yeah, exactly. Of. Exactly. So uh, you probably started with uh, like in church and school yourself. Um, actually, what where I started was my aunt had um one of those old little organs that you would have in your house, mm-hmm. the little electric kind of, organs. You turn on and the air goes through. Them yeah, and with the little with the little push buttons mm-hmm. on them, and um, I would play the pedals on okay. the floor and okay. make up songs because I was too little to reach oh, the keys. Wow. Yeah, so that you didn't become a bass player. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was very good at bass lines. So, um, and my dad would always play guitar and sing to us and all the time. And so we always had music kind of around. And then um, when I was about five and a half, almost six, I, I remember it clear as day, um, a knock at the front door and opening the door. And there was my grandmother with um, two movers and they were bringing a piano into the house. And that was, that was the beginning of everything. It had to be exciting. Yeah, huh? it was a pretty awesome day. So uh, your sister, you mentioned, yes, plays my as well sister as well? is a flute player, and she's actually the flute professor at NAU. Oh, really? Yep. <clears throat> she ended up in Arizona. Yep, too. she ended up in Arizona too. Wow, mm-hmm. everybody kind of migrated. I know, kind of strange, right? Shh, don't tell everybody else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I go back east, I wonder why are you all still here? <laughs> I know the food's good. We're enjoying the weather. Yeah, the weather's no rough snow. back east. Yep. Although you know, New York is wonderful, and you ended up in New York. I did. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up in New York. So I actually went to graduate school out here. I went to ASU. Um, While you were still living in... Um, well, after I left Long Island, Massapequa Park. Massapequa Park. Uh-huh. So I had gone to my undergraduate upstate New York. Then I went to University of Connecticut. Then I went to Arizona State. And okay. I was doing my collaborative piano degree. And um, I had a woman... What who, years were you at NAU? Uh, at ASU? Or ASU, I'm sorry. Uh, ASU, yeah, I, I was there from 96 to 98. Okay. And so there was a woman named Arlene Schrutt who taught at Juilliard, who okay. came out and did a master class 
um, for our program, and I played the master class. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know what? You should consider moving to New York. So I decided, hmm. okay, what the heck? And one of my best friends was looking for a roommate. So um, we picked up. We moved to Manhattan. And that's when everything started. Fantastic. Yeah. So now opera, you know, a lot of people go to New York. They want to play jazz. They want to play pop, yeah. you know, whatever. But uh, I don't know that many people who have, who have spent their kind of music career in the opera world. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did opera become the thing for you? When, when did you get attracted to opera music? Um, actually, it's really funny. When I was younger, I didn't like opera because my grandmother used to pay, play Pavarotti all the time. And mm-hmm. I was like, ugh, this stuff. And then when I was... <laughs> in- <laughs> <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> this stuff. You know, my dad said he liked Pavarotti. By accident, I heard him say once he kind of liked Pavarotti oh, yeah? and his birthday was coming up or something. Uh-huh. So I thought, I'm really going to get my dad to like me. I must have done something bad. <laughs> and I spent like every penny on a four-album set of Pavarotti. Right? Oh my God, yeah, so that's what, not cheap. <laughs> I, I know, when I give him this for for his birthday, I remember I'm waiting for him to be so thrilled as he opens it up and he's like, Pavarotti. And I'm like, you said you liked it. Well, not that, that much. much. <laughs> not, not the four CDs, four box set, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm never going to listen to the four albums. Four, oh, my God. So anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah, so um, actually, when I was an undergraduate, um, my first exposure to opera was, I remember my my voice coach, I was singing at the time, my voice coach came in and brought in a recording of Cecilia Bartoli, and she had just come onto the scene. Oh, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, she had just started, and I, <laughs> I thought you were serious there for a minute. I wish I was. Never heard of her. Um, and I totally fell in love. Oh, cool. Just totally fell in love, and from then on, I've, I've just been in it. So was it the voice? It was it was the voice itself. It was the acrobatics that she mm-hmm. could do. I mean, it was just well, that's incredible. A, that's an interesting thing about opera. I mean, I worked with a young girl here in town who, who had done a lot of opera. She could do opera in her sleep. Yeah. Just had such a beautiful voice, uh-huh. uh, was trained well, and so she could just sing opera. And then when she came to me at 14, she wanted to be a pop star, so we were doing pop. Oh, my gosh. But, um, you know, and then she got into rock and roll, and that was the end of that career. Yeah. <clears throat> but... Um, <laughs> It was amazing to hear somebody with such a pure voice sing opera. It is. I think that if you don't hear that voice, I mean, I, I can I recognize that when you heard that voice, that's what drew you in. Yeah. Because when you really and, hear it, and the, it's something else. The amount of sound that the human voice can make mm-hmm. unamplified mm-hmm. is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in high school taking a backstage tour at the Metropolitan Opera and hearing them in the rehearsal room, and I couldn't believe the sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just incredible. So that it just fascinates me. The Metropolitan Opera backstage tour when you were a teenager? Yeah, <clears throat> I was pretty lucky. That's pretty, pretty cool. lucky. I had a friend once in New York who said, he said, uh, oh, what, what, what was the big theater in New York? Gosh, I'm, I'm getting so old, I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, anyway, we were in New York, and he's like, I sang there one time. You mean at Carnegie Hall? That's the one. Yep, <laughs> there you go. I'm looking up, God, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> And, uh, and, he, and I said, what did you sing in Carnegie Hall? He says, just now, in the lobby. <laughs> it's like, funny. He just walked in, sang a line. Yeah, well, then he did sing in he Carnegie did, Hall. He did, and he can say that. There you go. So, uh, but, I mean, I think growing up or being there young and having that kind of influence had to be pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was very fortunate because it only took us about, you know, 45 minutes on the train to get into Manhattan. So I was, I was able to be exposed to very high-level things at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Now, so the, your first experience in, mo- in going to New York, was that when you went to school? Or you probably went to New York. Oh, no, we went to time. New York all the time when I was a yeah. kid. All the time. Shopping. Yeah, shopping, shows. Visiting. So when, what's, how old were you the first time you saw a show in a big theater on Broadway? 
big theater on Broadway, I would think probably in high school, probably in high school. And the first, I know the first opera that I saw was um, Hansel and Gretel that I went with my high school, actually. They mm-hmm. took our choir, went. Because um, they would do, they would have tickets for the dress rehearsals, mm-hmm. and so we would go and we'd get the box seats, and we'd be able to see that, which was really cool. You know, they they did a thing <clears> at <throat> the big theaters when I, last time I went to a show, which was gosh, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was when Chicago was at the Schubert Theater, before yeah, the, yeah, just before the movie came out. Yep. But they had a deal where they kept like the front two rows available for sale until the day of the show. Yeah. Do they still do that? They still do. They still have TKTS, um, which is like you can buy tickets the day of. I'm not sure if they still reserve the first couple of rows. might be a little bit more mm-hmm. more spotty. Spread, yes, spotty. But they always hold a few back just but for that But they day. do. They do. Is that primarily yeah. just to accommodate tourism? Probably. That would be my guess. A lot of people don't that really have my plans. Guess. They show up in town. Yeah, but honestly, I think, most of the people that are going to shows are probably tourists anyhow, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of it because most of us that live in New York, it's so expensive. We're all spending all our time working anyhow. So it's expensive. Yeah. It's very expensive. So when, what year did you guys move out this way? Uh, We moved here in 2013. Okay. So you spend most of your uh, life, early life anyway. And yeah, uh, well, it's my whole early life. And then I spent 15 years there, you know, working. So, okay. Um, you mentioned to me that uh, earlier <clears throat> that your dad's favorite song was Clara DeLune. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine you, you knew that. You heard that a lot when you were young. Yeah, and I played it a lot. I was going to say because you became a piano player. Yep. And you also taught piano. Yes, I teach piano now too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it might be fun to actually listen to that. So I was going through the internet looking at different recordings. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there are tons. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I picked one. Uh, and I hadn't realized the song was actually published in 1890. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found one by a uh, French piano player, Jacques Rivier. Uh-huh. I his name is Rivier. And uh, I thought we would listen to just a few minutes of that. Okay, great. If you don't mind. No, not at all. See if this brings back memories for you. Thank you. 
Yeah, nothing like a big program ID to stomp all over. <laughs> that was an interesting segue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who wants that pretty stuff anyway? No, but really, what a song. Everyone's heard that song a million times. It's a, it is a classic piece of music. It is an it's absolutely gorgeous piece, of, piece music. of music. And it's on so many movies, and it, it has such such emotion attached to yes, that piece. I mean, it does. It's, it's gorgeous. One of my favorites. You know, I think one of the sad things, I look at uh, so many industries around the arts, like the recording industry is one. I mean, I'm a survivor. I had a <laughs> survivor. I had a recording studio it. for 15 years working with all the famous people, and now I work out of my house like everybody else. Yeah. Someone told me last week 14 more studios closed in L.A. this year so far. Oh, my it's just, gosh, really? You know, it's a really, it's a, it's a, 
industry that's changing so fast, it's difficult for people to uh, make a living at it if they're focused just on music recording. But it's always been the case in so many other uh, aspects of the arts. For example, watching kids go to school for opera or for violin or cello, you know, and getting a degree. And you know that, look, your only job when you get out of here might be working with a local symphony, and they're having a hard time staying open. So it seems really difficult for parents, for example, to support a child who wants to go in. Did you have a lot of support from your family? I did have a lot of support, but I do specifically remember the conversation with my dad of, how exactly is it that you're going to make a living? And then two years later... I'm going to get married, (laughs) And then two years later, my sister announces she wants to be a musician. And then she had the conversation. How exactly are you going to have, you know, have any money to pay for your bills? Um, Money, we're going to be happy. We're going to be happy, Dad, and that's all that matters. Um, But I look at it this way. I spent my retirement in the first 70 years of my life. Exactly. Well, I'm not that old. (laughs) You don't look that old. I'm still on retirement. He's still on retirement. retirement. I'll start working afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Back when you want to sit down all day long. But I, but I think you're right. I think the thing that's that's kept me, I think, afloat for so long is that I've kind of diversified. I've done other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't just... Yeah, but wor- you haven't gotten a job with your, with, with your music yet, have you? A job in music? Yeah, when's the first time you had a job in music? Uh, the first time I had a job in music, I was, let's see, 12? 12? <laughs> I was 12. Wow, you didn't have to wait to graduate. No, 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 no. 12 years um, old. I remember, were, I tell remember, me about this. I remember uh, pushing really hard to get my working papers to do this, um, but I used to ride my little red bicycle over to the Iglevsky Ballet School, um, to, to, where I had to, taken uh, ballet to when I was little. To, to what? To, to where did you ride? It was called the Iglevsky Ballet School, the and Iglevsky I don't even think Ballet it School. exists anymore. Okay. Um, and I used to ride my little red bicycle over there, and uh, I was getting paid eight bucks an hour when I was 12 wow. to play ballet classes. Holy I think that's, cow. I think that's pretty good, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. So is that like through Better a rates than I was making as an adult. <laughs> I've, I've made less. <laughs> It's true. In fact, I've done gigs where I paid hundreds of dollars. To yeah, fly me them, too. You know? I paid my way for a long time to do yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunately awesome. how you start out. But yeah, so yeah, I started out big. Well, let's talk a little bit more about where your twelve-year-old eight-dollar-an-hour gig <laughs> went. So you went on to work uh, in the industry. I did, and I decided. So I started out. Um, I played so through high school and and grade horn. I played piano. And I sang. French horn is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. But you it's still play French really, horn? No, I haven't touched it since <clears throat> high school. You still have one? No. Okay. No. Well, go on though. I'm but sorry. uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I started really like French, French horn, horn, and I started French horn in the fourth grade because my mother told me no drums, uh-huh. no drums, and what was the other one? I was no trumpet. So instead, I came I home played with trumpet. Okay, so your mom didn't have those rules. So instead, I came home with the French horn because everybody said, "Oh, it's really hard. You'll be good at it." So <laughs> what they really meant was it's really quiet. Yeah, we can put yeah up right. You. So, you know, and of course, back then they didn't have any of the uh, removable bells. So I had this huge case that I used to carry back and forth like a baby back and forth to school. Um, and then my teacher. You know, I did that with a, do you remember the, um, it wasn't the tuba. It was the one a little bit smaller than the, the tuba. Sous- uh, no, the sousaphone's the big one, right? Yeah, a little bit smaller. Oh, the baritone. baritone. The baritone. It's like a baritone sound. If you couldn't afford a tuba in your band, you had this guy. <laughs> yeah, the baritone. The one, this is like the you marching, on your they lap. had the marching band ones, yeah, too. Yeah, so that's what tubas. I played. Yeah. And I hauled one of those on a city bus back and forth from high school. Oh, my gosh. At least you got a seat to yourself, so though, get, right? It got a seat to it. So. <laughs> I can relate to you hauling that French horn. I know. I mean, in the, in the ice and the snow and all that good oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, so I started that in the fourth grade, and then... Um, my elementary school band director actually 
was a French hornist, mm-hmm. and he played in the extra orchestra at the Metropolitan Opera. Okay. So I started taking private lessons with him. Um, and actually, I didn't tell you this before, but one of my coolest um, first experiences with opera was they did Tannhäuser by Wagner. I knew you knew that. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> one of your favorites. I knew it. Um, and they have um, this big horn choir that plays backstage. Mm-hmm. And so he brought me backstage probably would to watch the opera from backstage. Oh, that had to be fun. It was really awesome. Those kind of moments really inspire you, don't they? They do. They, they really, you're really like, oh do. Oh my God, this really happens and I can be here? I know. And now I think back and I think, oh my God, all these famous people that I was surrounded by and it didn't even really occur to me then, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that was really cool. But the cool thing that we used to do, I mean, I had such an odd upbringing, was he also played fiddle and he used to play at this old restoration village on Long Island. Uh-huh. Um, and we would get together and play fiddle tunes and I would play on the French horn and he would play oh, wow. on the on the fiddle and we did concerts in my elementary school. I mean, it was... That would be something was, to see. It was, <laughs> it was, all right. Um, but yeah, I studied with him all through high school and I, I remember the day I told him that I was deciding to to go on in music but in, in other things and he was just heartbroken. Because I was in two orchestras outside of school and I had done all state. I mean, I really was pretty serious about it for a while. Um, but then I just decided that I was going to go a different route. You so. had enough of French horn. I had enough of French horn. Well, the braces kind of, you know. Oh, that would have been Yeah, that was not difficult. a good time. Yeah. It's not a good time. What they expect, you know. I know. We want you to play French horn, but you got to wear these braces. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So when did you start singing? Um, I sang my whole life. Okay. I didn't formally start taking lessons until college, but I sang my whole life. Okay. Did you get to sing in very, some, very young. some big shows or big theaters? Um, no, but I remember doing, um, like, when I was younger, you mean? Or, or at any in, point in New York on the, you know, like anything No, exciting. because primarily when I was in New York, I was working as a pianist. So all oh, okay. of my stuff was, was really during school. I mean, I did shows in school and right. stuff like that. Oh, okay. um, but I used to sing at all my dad's uh, company parties. Ah, of course. Of course, because they had prizes. So oh, okay. of course you had to do that. Okay. So I used to sing at all the company parties all the time. <clears throat> now, you mentioned that you were primarily a pianist. You, you had, had said to me that you weren't a typical pianist in a lot of ways. What did you no, mean by I that? wasn't. Um, I started um, accompanying very, very young. Um, the first time I ever did it was in the sixth grade. I played for my choir. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then on, I played, I always played for all my sister's auditions and all of her um, competitions. And then from there, I started getting other people calling me to do play for their competitions and things. like. So I did that all through high school, um, played for the choir on many occasions, um, played in churches. I subbed. I had church jobs. So I did a lot of that. I wasn't the typical solo pianist. I did a lot of collaborative work. Mm-hmm. Um, I always got a lot out of working with other people, more so than than solo work. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did Primarily a lot of... Primarily with vocalists, or did you do some um, Both instrumentalists and vocalists. I, oh, okay. I decided to go towards the vocalist side, but I did both when I was younger. Um, and I also, I played a lot of ragtime as a kid. Oh, really? A lot of Scott Joplin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I love me some Scott Joplin, not going to lie. Well, um, and I played, great stuff. Um, did you ever hear so um, Zez Confrey? Did you ever hear Zez Confrey? Kitten on the Keys? Okay, of course you have, right? Of course. <laughs> well, my teacher was really cool. So my teacher um, that I had, I started with him when I was about five and a half, and I had him right and through until he passed away when I was about 22. He's the only teacher I ever had. Um, he used to play in the speakeasies in New York. Ah. Um, and so he had 
all this really cool music that um, was kind of a little bit off the beaten path. So I played a lot of that stuff more so. I mean, I did play Mozart and Beethoven and all that, but um, played a little bit more kind of that, that kind of stuff. You know, you had mentioned to me that um, one of your favorite pieces was uh, Maple Leaf Rag mm-hmm. and the Entertainer from Scott Joplin. Mm-hmm. So I went and, again, I did some looking around for some copies of those. Okay, cool. And I remember, you know, to me, The Entertainer was introduced to me when I watched the movie. You yeah. Know? Um, was The Sting, right? The Sting, yep. yeah. I'm glad you can think of everything <laughs> I want to say. That makes it really easy. I'm here easy. for you, Adam. I'm here for you. Can you come back next Monday? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jennifer. Well, fill them in. But, um, you know, that's, a, again, Scott Joplin, you know, what a, what a writer. Yeah. And uh, one of the tunes, as I mentioned before, that you had said that you liked was Maple Leaf Rag. Now, I didn't know the piece by name. It's, so, again, one of those yeah, pieces Yeah, one of those things you had heard, knows, but you didn't know the name you know? of it, yeah. And, it's, it, again, it's an, it's an old song, so generally you hear it in places more. You don't hear people announcing it on the radio and playing it. Yeah, you, you hear, hear it more it. in movies yeah, and, and stuff over. like that, yeah. And in, in looking uh, around for a copy that I wanted to play for you of that particular piece, I just, we'll play just a couple minutes, um, I found one that is reported to have been in a wrong box sold on eBay. And it's a uh-huh. piano roll recording of Scott oh, Joplin cool. actually Act- playing. Scott Joplin playing? So this is an audio recording of that piano roll playing. That is awesome. And it's a Scott Joplin performance. So that's kind of wild. And I thought you might enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, that's awesome. So here's not only uh, the Maple Leaf Rag written by Scott Joplin, but, but performed by Scott Joplin cool. for you, just for a moment. find that's pretty funny because he sounds like he's just a player and you hear an enthusiasm yeah without that technical focus that we have yeah it's actually not technically perfect which i think is amazing yeah i I love it it sounds like hey look what i got exactly and he's just he's he's swinging it a lot he's changing the rhythms he's adding things in that are not written i think it's great yeah i think that's i like music that's outside the box well, and to me, it's like um, hearing the songwriter play it before you hear the you know the professional recording. You exactly. Know? I think we I think we as musicians see things too technically, and we're we're too good about doing what's on the page rather than using that as a map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little too exact. Well, I thought you might enjoy that one. And then, of course, you know, the Entertainer is a song that uh, is credited to him as well that everybody knows real well. This is me playing, by the way. This is you? Okay, (laughs) excellent. This is me playing. This is me acting like I'm playing with my wig on. (laughs) That's an inside joke. (laughs) But what a a great song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
This Everybody is good thinks stuff. Marvin Hamlisch wrote it because I think he's wrote the score for the film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The Entertainer. So that's another interesting piece by Scott Joplin. So those are some of your favorites. So you did a little yeah. stride piano. You did a lot. Yeah, of I did a lot of that stuff. Best stuff to learn rhythm. So now you know you're still involved in opera out here. Yes, I am. The Arizona Opera Company? Yeah, I do or? play with Arizona Opera and the orchestra, and I uh, occasionally play auditions for them, especially for the Young Artist Program. And how yeah. do you feel the, you know, the, the lifeblood of the opera industry is? I think, like everything else, like you were saying about the recording industry, it's changing. I think, um, I think grand opera has become... Um, it's, it's starting to become extinct in some ways. I think the industry is holding on desperately trying to keep it going, but I think we're moving in a new direction. I think you're going to start seeing smaller productions, um, a lot of productions that are using more projections rather than these grand sets and, and scenery that they used to just because of the sheer cost of it. Mm-hmm. The sheer cost of it is just, you know, it's astronomical. Are casts increasingly free on in shows? Free in what's meaning unpaid? I guess. Um, no, I not not if you're working in a union house. I mean, if you're working at some of the smaller company, like in New York, there were a lot of smaller companies where you would work for free. Mm-hmm. But for the big companies, I mean, they're all unions, so there's right. there's no way that they're going to be doing stuff for free. Phoenix Metro is, I think, the fifth largest city in the United States of yeah. America. Um, as far as opera goes, does that put us in kindergarten because there's only real opera markets in one or two cities in America? Um, or are we still, we're still like in this upper echelon of the top five or six cities when it comes to arts? I would like say we're in the middle. I wouldn't yeah. say we're, we're in kindergarten, but I would say we're somewhere in the middle. Because we, it really falls off when you get away from the major markets, It right? does. I mean, the big cities are like New York, Chicago, Chicago San shooters. Francisco, Houston, the, the, the really bigger city where there's a, there's, um, I would say not that there's no arts culture here, but I think it's different. I just yeah, well, think it's this, different. This market, the city uh, has grown so fast that 20 yeah, years ago, very, very fast. it wasn't here. So Yeah, I mean, where we live now, I don't even think existed when I was yeah. here in graduate school. So the, so the arts, really, the community that exists hasn't had that kind of you know, 20 or 30 years to foster. This exactly, but I so think fast. it's catching up. I mm-hmm. think it's catching up. But I think what I started seeing in New York was a lot of um, operas, smaller operas being done in different types of venues. And actually, one group that I was part of was called Opera on Tap. Um, and we actually did opera in dive bars. Opera and, and, and it was oh, cool. started It was started by a friend of mine. And um, it's actually all over the country now. And they're sort of, um, they get hooked up with one of the major opera companies there and they go around to different bars and just people just get up and sing. So I would go as the pianist and people would just come up, hand me a piece of music and we'd play and we'd do a couple, you know, a couple hour shows and people loved it. I mean, we had a huge following, huge, huge following. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it was great because then people, it brought it to people that might not have been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think, uh, I think it's a good thing and I think it's starting to change. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Speaking of change. Yes. Let's, I'm going to, great segue. I'm going to do a Mel Brown segment of the show. Oh, Mel Brown. Mel Brown is someone we both know. Yes. I love me some Mel Brown. Mel's a really good bass player. Yeah, he is. And a good He's friend. a pretty exceptional person. So how do you know him? Um, we work at the same church together. He works okay. at Sheprell Christian Church with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he came on about six months ago, um, and he has 
in a lot of ways, taken me under his wing. Um, he's teaching mm-hmm. me about improvising, which I think is really cool because it's something that I have had no exposure to. I was going to say, if your whole experience has been professional training from a classical point of view, yeah, you, yeah, you guys, to use a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. bad term, uh, you you have to have it on the page or you can't do it. Or yeah. That's what you're kind of yeah, taught. Yeah, that's kind know? of what I'm taught. But and I learning have to, beyond that. Is, yeah, well, and I have to say, I'm, I'm lucky that doing all of the collaborative work right. i have never fit that stereotypical has to be perfect on the page that like a I concert pianist does yeah. which you know cuz we have to be able to adjust and follow and and all that kind of stuff so i was fortunate that i didn't go that far in that direction so it's been a, a little bit easier mm-hmm. i wouldn't say easy but a little bit easier um and I've also, I mean, you know, I'm basically playing in a rock band now. So I've learned right. how to read chord charts and all this stuff. And it's <laughs> cool. and it's awesome. I mean, I'm loving it because it's something that I had never been exposed to. Yeah, that's really neat, too. Yeah. So it's been it's been really nice for me to find other avenues in music to explore. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome. We have another uh, friend in common. Yes. Shelby Elwood. Yes. So you know Shelby. Yes. I just met Shelby actually at this um, entrepreneur group that we right. that we joined at the Alliances. Right. Yep. Cool. I met her last week. She's pretty awesome. So now i got to figure out who else we know. I can tell you what. I, I'm going to be coming by this this place that's going to be opening mm-hmm. up. So let's um, let's move the conversation over. Mateo, you've been really kind to be sit there quiet while I talk the whole time. <laughs> but I want to let's talk a little bit, bring you back on the show. Um, you guys, how did you meet? Let me ask Mateo. How did you guys eat? We met in New York. Okay. In the restaurant where I was working, mm-hmm. she coming and want a pizza, and mm-hmm. I bring a I bring a hair pizza on the table. Perfect. And uh, the story is a little bit different because <laughs> she coming the first time, uh, practically in New York, there is this, uh, this holiday is Ferragosto. is uh, in September. Okay. She actually was playing uh, in this Ferragosto piano. every year. Yeah, I played piano for an opera company. Okay. Yeah, and... Uh, the day she coming in the restaurant was uh, pouring uh, a lot of water, a <laughs> lot, a lot. And she coming in the restaurant, uh, she actually smiled me, but... Uh, <laughs> and she melted your heart immediately. No, I was honest. I was honest with her and I said, listen, I don't remember you. Was it tons was of people? <laughs> right. was tons of people. I smiled her sure. and... Uh, and um, then she coming back for her birthday uh-huh. in October, mm-hmm. and uh, I just saw her smile, long hair, beautiful <laughs> smile, and uh, we smile each other. Right. <clears throat> and she asked, uh, she asked the server for uh, mm. if I can bring the pizza on the table. I right. say absolutely, <laughs> I will bring the pizza on the table, and. Um, I remember I know was able to speak any English, uh, uh, and uh, she was with the friends over there. At, and this, lucky. at this time, how long had you been in the states? Uh, was uh, in March. I I, so you'd been, I come in March. So it was you've been October. half a year. You'd only been here six yeah. months. Yeah. Six wow. months. Okay. okay. Yeah, she coming and uh, I bring the pizza on the table and I speak with her friend. Uh, the hair friend was speaking a little bit Italian, so we speak a little bit, and mm-hmm. they asked for go out for a drink. And uh, she gave me a business card. He thought f- I was important. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, business card, uh, business work. card in Italy, you are important person wow. for uh, when okay. you have a business card. Okay, wow. 
and I say and I say to her, "Oh, you Facebook." <laughs> and she said, she said, she started for laughing. She told me on the business card there was a Facebook and uh, and uh, her personal number. And uh, when I, I went back, uh, went back for making pizza. I prep, uh, I prep uh, a personal uh, uh, pizza Nutella pizza, mm-hmm. and okay. I bring it to her like my gift. Mm-hmm. And she, we still have some picture in Facebook about that. <laughs> and she, we decided to go out in the night mm-hmm. and uh, where it all began. Wow. And so you met in New York. Yep. That, that event. How long ago was that? That was five years ago. It'll be six years in October on my birthday. The strange thing what was. What day in October? Uh, my birthday is October 23rd. Okay. The strange thing was I had played this festival for about six years and it had never rained. So you never went into the show? Never. And he was in there for And this, I was with a friend. It was the first year it ever rained. And I was like, oh, let's just try this place. Interesting. And he happened to be there. Yeah. It worked out well. Yeah. (laughs) Who knew? That's the way it's going to be. Exactly. So then, you know, you're you're a musician and he's making pizza. Yeah. So this wasn't your shop or it was your shop? No, no, it wasn't Okay, so you were working for somebody. And um, so then you guys end up getting married in New York? Yes, we got married in New York. A couple years later? Yep, about a year later. About a year later? About a year later. Yeah, one year later. Okay, and then now you're in New York, you're married, you're, and you're still making pizza, and you're still yep. playing music? Yep. What the, why did you come to Arizona? What, what drew you <laughs> out here? Uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to come to some place with good weather. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. You were done with the winters. We were done with the winters. <laughs> and done with Mateo, the winters. Had, had you been anywhere else in the States yet? Uh, just for vacation. Uh, in, had you been out west, like to Phoenix or Los Angeles? Uh, or? For work or for uh, vacation? At all? Had you visited? The oh west? yeah, I visit. Oh. Uh, I visit. Uh, actually, I visit Atlanta mm-hmm. for uh, for business, and then for just for vacation, uh, San Diego. Uh, uh, so you'd uh, seen some Los nice Angeles. weather. Yeah. yeah, I just uh, you know. But New York's big butt. I, l- I love. Uh, I love a uh, weather like uh, this one, but mm-hmm. I love uh, I love a sea, mm-hmm. and uh, San Diego is unbelievable place. Well, when you came to New York, when you moved from Italy, where were you in Italy? I am I am from Salerno. Okay. Salerno is yeah. sixty kilometers south of Naples. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know more just... about probably where you're from <laughs> than where, <laughs> than where I'm from. from right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my family was actually from a little little town about two hours north of Venice. Um, you know, Fana was the name of the town, just a teeny little town. You probably wouldn't even know no. the town. No. And I went there one time, and, and it was funny because nobody has my last name in America. I mean, if you do, you're, you're my cousin or my yeah, brother yeah, or my you're sister. Related, yeah. There's very few of us. And I go to this little town, and every other door, you know, photo, shop, real estate, everything has my all name. All your last it. name. And it's like, they never left town. They're all right here. Oh, my you know? gosh. Very few have moved out. And I, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of family here. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It's like Danielo everywhere. So it was, that was a weird experience. But So um, when you came to the States, how old were you when you came to the States then? So this guy, uh, I, my dream of the coming in the United States, for, uh, I think for uh, a, lot Italian, uh, a lot of Italian people, especially in the South, and especially who work on the restoration, mm-hmm. a lot of people, the dream is uh, the coming in uh, New York for working. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of my friends was working in New York uh, in, 
in uh, this uh, restaurant where uh, I was working. And this uh, restaurant was uh, his uncle restaurant. And I asked for uh, coming, for go there and working. And uh, he said, uh, let, me, let me talk to my uncle. And uh, after uh, one hour, the, his uncle called me <laughs> and uh, said, if you want a job, I need a pizzaiolo here, but I need uh, right away, maximum two weeks. I said, uh, okay, I am there. <laughs> wow. I am there. I am coming. Wow. So... I close the phone and I, told, I tell uh, to my mom, I say, Mom, in two weeks I am leaving. Where do you go? <laughs> no, I'm going to New York. Ah, come on, don't play. <laughs> say, I don't play, I am going. And uh, after two weeks, uh, I fly in, uh, I flew, I fly in uh, New York and mm-hmm. uh, I was working. The, the time I was landing, mm-hmm. I went in the restaurant. I started for working <laughs> yeah. right away. No doubt, I could see. Oh it. yeah. So when you guys moved out here, yeah, um, did you have like right now? You have plans, dun, yes. dun, dun, to open a restaurant. Yes, we do. And Absolutely. did you have that plan when you left New York to do, or is we, that something? Yeah, you we've actually been talking about it um, since we met, since the very beginning, because his dream was always to come to this country and open his own place. Okay. And I promised him um, that at some point we were going to do it. Okay, no. Absolutely. How close are we to that? We are very close. Tell me about we it. We are very close. Very close. So we have opened Uncle Mateo's. Um, right now we're doing uh, private parties. Um, we do wholesale. We're selling now at Andy's um, Coffee Shop in Scottsdale. Um, we've just, I mean, we've and literally just me. started. Like and we brought you pastries. You yes, made. I can't wait to have you try them. I and know. Let, let us I know haven't opened it yet because I'm not even going to let you have any. <laughs> I already looked. <laughs> Please, we don't want to eat anymore. We've tried so many of them. <laughs> I'm taking that stuff um, But yeah, so, we, so we've started this, um, and our dream is to eventually get ourselves into, into a retail space, and we want to try to tie our two things together. So we'll have him cooking, which I'm mm-hmm. also helping at this point, mm-hmm. um, and have me playing, like, you know, Neapolitan music. We can bring in singers and have, like, music nights and stuff like that. I think it would be really a really cool idea. Do you have plans for the menu at this point? Uh, we have uh, some plans for the menu. Practically, the Napolitan uh, Napolitan uh, food mm-hmm. is a really large. Is really a spe- um, uh, broad. Uh, yeah. yeah, there is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of stuff. But we tra- We want to start really smart. We want to start uh, uh, small because uh, we want to introduce this uh, product we are making right now that uh, nobody have in United States. Hmm. Nobody have. And uh, we went on the bigger city type, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, where we was in New York. Nobody have this product we bring here. It's called Zeppole and uh, Bomboloni. And uh, it's a particularly, this is uh, from uh, our tradition in mm-hmm. Naples. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this uh, holiday in Italy, it's called Carnevale. Carnevale is like uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 um, uh, 
uh, in New Orleans. Thir- yeah, thir- like one October. What yeah, is it? Yeah, October thirty. Oh, Halloween. 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 It's yeah. like a Halloween, Halloween. But uh, is all these uh, people um, in masks right. going the street? Like, yeah, 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 like yeah, what yes, they do down yes, in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. is a typical from uh, Carnival. But right. if you go in Italy, in Italy, especially in uh, my region, Salerno, Naples, you can find these everywhere. Every day, mm-hmm. and we eat uh, in the morning, mm-hmm. after uh, after lunch, after dinner, uh, mm. with the cappuccino, coffee, limoncello. Right. We, we eat all this stuff. It's uh, an amazing uh, product. Mm. And uh, we start like that, and then uh, uh, after a while, we're going we's gonna to put uh, more stuff uh, on the menu. We mm-hmm. want to specialize like, in Neapolitan street food, basically. Cool. Yeah. Well, anything I can do to help, let me know. I can, <laughs> Try one. I can shoot video and edit video. I can record music. I can make commercials for you. I can eat food really well. Awesome. You know, awesome. So we may take you up you on that. Eat. I can do a pretty good Dean Martin. So I'll <laughs> we can see. We can bring <laughs> you, you can in. Eat, you, can eat, uh, you can eat soon. You're just going to try. I can't wait. So right now you are working uh, as a catering company. You're yes, doing private events, yeah, essentially. private events. Yeah, private events. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, yes. um, how would they reach you? Um, the best is to call us. And the number is, we still have a New York number at this point, but they can call us at 347. That's 347. 209. 209. 0057. 0-0-5-7. Yes, and they can place their order. Great. And then, um, do you have a uh, website right now or no? No, but we are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. At and Uncle Mateos? At Uncle Mateos. Okay, and mm-hmm. that's Uncle M-A-T-T-E-O-S. Right. E-O-S. Yep, two M-A-T-T-E-O-S. <clears throat> okay, well, then people can find you that way. Yes, absolutely. And if you're going to cater an event that's, that's you know, for 20 or 30 people, yeah. how much of an advance notice do you like to get? Um, what would you say, Mate? You need at least 24 hours. <laughs> I, at least uh, 24 no, hours. I, I'm thinking 24 days. No, he doesn't no, need no, 24 no. days. No, no, no. At least 24 hours. Uh-huh. At least 24 more. hours. Cool. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, do, do you have some favorite music, Mateo? Uh, I can tell you I have no particularly favorite music. Oh, who's the guy you sing all one, the time? Uh, one, uh, <laughs> one uh, song, I really like it. And uh, I really love it. And this uh, Pavarotti sing, uh, sing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bocelli uh-huh. sing too. Um, I love O Sole Mio. Right. And then this, uh, this uh, other song I love it is called uh, Caruso. C-A-R-U-S-O. In dialect is Te voglio bene assai. I love you a lot. Pratically is one of my favorite songs. Interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, yeah. Let's spell it again. C-A-R-U-S-O. I'll have to check that out. Now, Osolo Mio, I have a question for you about that. In America, um, there was a song, It's Now or Never. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, same which tune. Which is the same song. Same tune. Right? It's yep. the same song. But, see, today we're so uh, aware of copyright. and Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But back then, I don't think people were really paying as much attention and people were stealing each other's work. Yeah. Now, Wally Gold is a producer, songwriter, who worked, uh, was vice president of Don Kirshner Enterprises for years okay. and found, worked with all kinds of bands like Kansas uh-huh. and all these people. Well, he was a songwriter for RCA Records back in the day when Elvis was recording, and he is credited with writing that song, as well as writing um, It's My Party for Leslie Gore and a few other songs. Yeah. And 
I thought I I had an opportunity to speak with him, but he was this big guy, and I'm mm-hmm. I was nobody, and I wasn't about to go. You didn't really you write didn't re- that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting icebreaker. It's the same song. So you stole a lot of music. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, I can see a guy in an office you know, where they're going, "We need a song for Elvis today," and he goes, "Oh, just let me see what my yeah, let me what just, they're doing back home." Yeah, let me <laughs> yeah. just take that and rewrite well, the lyrics in English. <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's the same thing, but I think yeah. "Oh, Solomia" was a hit long before "It's Now or Never" was a hit, wasn't it? I, I would. I, I don't so. remember the age, but it was really old. Yeah, I don't really believe. Old. Yeah, I think "Now or Never" was. I mean, I'm not saying anybody stole anything from anybody, <laughs> but it seems my memory is that Now or Never was a much later record. Yeah, uh, the English I, would, I would think of the so. Song. I would think so. So you're, you're hoping opening the retail yeah. store is going to be that you're going to be able to play music, maybe different music every night, have a different yeah. kind of things going yeah. on. Yeah, I, I think it would be a really cool idea because it's starting to happen a lot. You're seeing that a lot in wine bars and stuff like that yeah. Yeah. Um, where they're having... They have music nights. They have right. karaoke nights. They have all that kind of stuff. I think that's the direction that things Didn't are you going. Do you have a part of town you'd like to see this open in? Are you um, right we, now? I mean, are you thinking like Phoenix downtown is exploding, but so is the yeah, very north Scottsdale? Yeah, we were thinking more. Area. Yeah, that's what we were thinking more in North Scottsdale area. Are you looking for partners on in any way? Are you looking for? Yeah, a, absolutely. I mean, if we could find somebody that wanted to partner up, absolutely. Someone who's been in the restaurant. Yeah, that's been before. in the yeah. Yeah, it's that would a be difficult business. To it is a to. really difficult business. There's a lot to it, a mm-hmm. lot to it. But we're learning a lot. And he's been doing this, you know, he's been in the restaurant for 20 years. So he mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've been basically running my own business for the last, you know, 20 years. So I think we've got a good combination. Yeah, you know, you could be doing piano lessons, you know, in the back. Exactly. Pizza. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, there's lots, lots of ways you can put it together. I don't think I have the patience for long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to teach him piano in the beginning. It was very short-lived. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to have to, I am a bad student. I have to learn the way I want to learn. Yeah. So when you start to teach me something, I'll stop you and say, no, give me this piece of information now. It's like, this is next. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the teacher's like, no, this is next. I'm like, no, I can't even hear that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain now needs this answered, you know. So it's, I'm <laughs> yeah. a weird student. That's okay. Everybody learns different. Yeah, apparently. Well, listen, um, is there anything else you wanted to share with me about uh, the restaurant or your plans? No, I don't think so. I think I think that's pretty much it. I think we're pretty excited about it. I think we've got we're off to a really good start, and I think we've got a really good product. And people cool. have been going crazy over it. So, so far, so good. And so, are you involved in any upcoming uh, opera shows with the Arizona Opera? I am. I am performing in a um, a brand new piece written by um, Craig Baumler. He's a local composer, um, okay. and it's called "Riders of the Purple Sage." So we actually I where he got that idea. <laughs> <laughs> what is it today? <laughs> I would love to tell you what it's about. But I haven't read the synopsis yet. So. Okay. Um, I don't even have the music yet, actually. And we're doing a we're workshopping it in the beginning of September. Um, and then they're supposed to do actually a documentary about it. And then the performances are in, I believe, February of 2017. OK, let's back up. They're supposed to be doing a documentary about yeah. it. <clears throat> I'd love to hear more on that. De- those details. What do you mean by that? They're supposed to means that. Um, As far as I know, I haven't been given that many details on it. I'm sure they're going to come in and record us during rehearsals and during the workshop period. I don't think we're going to be doing stagings at that time. They'll probably bring the singers in and then we'll just be workshopping it. So somebody's been hired to do the documentary. Yeah, as far as I know. 
Okay. I, okay. I could checking. let you know in case <laughs> nobody has been yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm fishing for. I mean, for. I could, like, hey, I could, could find fun. out for you if you'd like me I mean, to. I, know that, I, I mean, I know the piano player. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have an in now. And think of all the times you could spend on the radio. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. Well, that's, so that, you, that actually launches in 2017? Yeah. The actual the performance is staged, um, fully costumed. All that stuff will be in February of 2017. Um, and the workshop, because, you know, he just wrote this piece and mm-hmm. he hasn't even heard it with orchestra yet. Right. So it's going to give him an opportunity, the composer, to hear it yeah. and to make any adjustments that he thinks needs to be yeah, made. Yeah, it's not uncommon then, you know, to go back and go, okay, I want to modify this and modify Yeah, and, and even hear. just in terms of orchestration, because a, a lot mm-hmm. of times what happens is, you know, they'll put it together, the singers get up there and they realize, oh, we can't hear the singer because the orchestra is too thick. So they mm-hmm. have to go back and rewrite things. So, um, you know. how about you as a singer? You think you're going to do any more singing from the stage? Um, you know, I would like to get back into it, to be honest. Um, but I think I kind of want to go in a little bit different direction. I don't necessarily know if I want to do opera. I know I, I'm starting to like a little bit more of the pop stuff and, um, a little bit more, um, old standards. I like a lot. Um, I kind of like singing that stuff. Hmm. So, well, you might. Are you doing any gigs around town? I haven't been, but you know, them? you never know. You Little never know. Actually, they're thing. trying to get me. Um, so, Alliance has this big um, meeting in November, and they want me to actually come in and sing something that morning. So that oh, might be the beginning go. of something might new. Be the beginning. Well, you know, you can also sit in at a few places. So, like, oh yeah, um, Renee Patrick is going to be in here uh, in a couple of weeks. I think she's out of town right now, but she has a regular gig at eddie v's up in Scottsdale. oh okay yeah <clears throat> and renee is really cool with a great little band and uh she'll let you come in and sing a song oh sing a couple songs if you just want to take that way you're only investing like about that. Yeah. six minutes on stage not a whole evening it's <laughs> yeah a, i know right like start out step slow in, step you're out. like mm, let's see how this goes she keeps inviting me to come up and sing with her band that you I'm should like, sing with her band you sing really like, well do they know any john lennon songs I'm so, sure they do so actually that's why i actually that's why i mentioned i made the joke about the dean martin because yeah 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 the last show I did during soundcheck, mm-hmm. I had already know I'd already spoken with Renee and said, "Well, maybe I should just sing like because she does a lot of this old stuff." And I said, "Maybe yeah. I should just pick a, an old Dean Martin tune." So I was looking through old Dean yeah. Martin songs to maybe go sing with her band. And so during soundcheck of my last show, the place is empty. And I have a big band on stage. You know, in fact, Mel was there. I yeah, think. I started singing. Everybody loves you know one of these old Dean Martin tunes. And the whole band started playing along because these guys are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I, for all the way through soundcheck, I did this whole song. And I'm like, that was fun. Mm. Now I have to try that. You got bit by the bug, huh? It's it's so different singing that style of music. Yeah, it's very different. Just like, you know, opera to pop. I mean, it's a whole other world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very different. It's different very different. Set of tools. Yeah. And do you prefer to sing and play at the same time, or do you prefer to play with somebody or sing with somebody else playing? I think I would prefer to sing with somebody else playing. I mean, I can do it, and I do have to do it, but it's easier to be doing one thing at a time. To be honest, uh-huh. yeah, it's way easier. Cool, way easier. Well, we'll work. On, I'll, I'll make a call. See, we can't. Get okay, you yeah, we'll get Renee. you on the phone. <laughs> we'll both sit in that night. We'll give her a break. Okay, you know, yeah, give why her a not? few minutes off. You know, why not? And maybe we'll bring her a pastry. So, yeah, you know, I like to bring her a pastry. Yeah, why not? Put her up that way. In fact, we'll bring a couple to the restaurant. You never know. Maybe you know. You never know. They'll bring you. Never start, know. Start using your products. Very true. Could be cool. Well, listen, guys, our, our hour is kind of running out here, so I just want to thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. It's been Thank wonderful you. to visit. Yeah, a good time. I can't wait to try this food you brought me. I'm we can't wait to have you try it. it. Yeah. And then uh, I want you to open your restaurant. I want to go. I know. So it'll be great. 
All right, Thanks well, guys, so much. have a great night. You too. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.